So welcome, Charlie, to Let's Run Facebook Ads. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm slightly recovering. I went and saw Judas Priest last night, and the right side of my face is still just a little melted. So, so I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Heavy metal, is it? Oh, yeah. Heavy metal. 50 oh. years of heavy metal. Rob Halford. Uh, oh. Oh, it was a beautiful thing. It was he came out on a harley davidson in leather daddy gear with a riding crop and saying about i'm yeah like like it was amazing uh i love it i'm a big big music fan so the headache you can't tell ah (laughs) headache today yeah late night a little bit a little bit but i'm here i'm here you know at the end of the day i get to talk to you about the thing that i love honestly more than anything other than rock and roll so um, i could do this any day of the week i love it brilliant okay so well i've come across you through my team because my team have been watching your videos and what i what i love about your stuff is how you're you you've you've definitely picking up the reels and the fact that instagram are pushing people out there your reels are they're funny they're entertaining they're informative it's not just boring things you see when i start doing these reels i'm just a bit boring I haven't got like, you know, we have to do, that's why I've set up a podcast. I can sit here, I can talk and our listeners love it. And we're growing that way. You're growing, you know, we all find our little um, way of getting ourselves out there, which is brilliant. And, you know, you're really, I love the way you do it, which is great. But if we talk about, if we start with talking about you, so guys who are listening, we're going to be going right into the things that Charlie's finds working on Facebook. Charlie has been working with Facebook on Facebook for 10 years he even yep. remembers the day when Facebook came to his offices. So why don't we start with where it all started? Talk about that sure. for five minutes or so, and then we can get really in depth and see what's working. Yeah, yeah. The As my buddy Raba, my old buddy, who's now CMO of Triple Whale, as he was saying, the TLDR of how we got here. Uh, the too long didn't read. Um, I was a touring musician and radio personality. Uh, I'd been on the road for 10 years playing rock and roll. And I had a career in satellite radio. I got really good at promoting myself, promoting bands, promoting events. Then there was a um, sex tape scandal with Hulk Hogan and somebody else. And long story short, they pulled the funding from my radio station because the woman of that sex tape (laughs) was the wife of the owner of the radio station. And I fled Florida. Yeah, Hulk Hogan. Had an affair with the wife of the radio station. A sex tape. With the owner of the owner of the radio station's wife, he and Howard Stern were funding the radio station. Yeah, then yeah. Gawker came out, sued him, pulled the funding, and I was no longer on Sirius XM every day. And I got out of Central Florida, moved to LA, and got a job. Uh, got an apartment on a Monday. Got a job uh, interview on a Friday. Started that next Monday doing organic growth, basically hacking. I'm an addict. Bucks an hour. I've, obviously, we're in. I'm in the UK. We have lo- we have loads of American listeners, though. But Sirius FM, you see them on the YouTube. That's like a big. That's a big thing. Oh yeah. It? No, we have 1.4 million listeners on a daily basis. Wow. And you? Yeah, I mean, show. I I was on that show. I was the third person. So I had my own radio show on FM. Yeah. I started at like college radio and answering phones and AM radio stations. And very quickly I got my own show and I built those up over the years. And eventually I got attached to somebody else. So there was the host, 
there was the producer. So if, if you know, like, I don't know, I can make a reference. Some people might get it, might not, but like Howard Stern. Oh, him, yeah. So there's Howard Stern. And then there's like Robin, right? The, the producer, news lady that works with him. Right. And then there's like, back in the day, it was Jackie Jokeman Martling. Then it was like Artie Lang. But there was this like third person that came in occasionally to interject, yeah. right? I was that third person in Sirius XM. And then I had my own show on FM with, you know, where I was, you know, was uh, constantly putting together playlists and taking phone calls and kind of had the run of the mill there. Um, long story short, with all of that aside, I had to get out of Florida awfully quick, completely unrelated, I, I assure you. Uh, <laughs> and I ended up in Los Angeles and uh, got a job working at an ad agency for 10 bucks an hour. Um, and it was basically doing a growth hacking uh, for, at the time, um, Disney stars, basically taking boys and girls that had been on the Mickey Mouse Club and getting them a ton of YouTube views and followers. Right, okay. And I had been, I got that job basically because I had organically growth hacked my band on MySpace, my radio shows from college, like it was a college radio show, you get a hundred listeners. I had one that had a hundred thousand. So you just uh, didn't like, how to do it and it was right. Time yeah, to on it, yeah. Exactly. So when I moved, it was like, well, I, I didn't realize this was a job. I didn't realize this was like a thing people did. And mm. to be fair, at the time it was new, like it was 20, 2012. Like it wasn't like a thing that people did really. Um, and then their biggest client got rid of them uh, and then it was last hired, first fired. So I ended up taking one of their people with me, started my own agency and my biggest client, I, accidentally, I was just hiring people. I, I was just taking on clients. My biggest client fired me one day and he said, I just used this thing, Facebook. I dropped a hundred bucks into it. It got me more than what I pay you 2000 a month for. Yeah. And I swallowed my pride, ate very poorly. So I like call it carbohydrate therapy that day. Yeah. And then dropped my credit card into Facebook the next day and started running ads. Um, at the same time, also, um, there's this TV show in America called Mad Men. Yeah. And then after Mad Men, there was this show called The Pitch, which is a reality TV show where agencies would compete to be the AOR, the agency of record yeah. for big businesses. Well, anyway, the very last episode of that show, um, they canceled it after, after I was on the show. They were like, we can't do this ever again. This Charlie guy's on camera. Done. You were pulling the plug. Uh, 1-800-Flowers came. And basically, they had this innovative idea. You have to spend $100,000, but you can't do print, radio, or television. It has to be all on social, okay. which at the time was crazy. This is like new. This is new. And it's oh, like, yeah. no one knows what they're supposed to be doing yeah. no, you post yeah you can't do email you can't do google none of that stuff it has to all be facebook right and we won so at one time my client fired me for running because he was running ads and then 1-800 flowers basically loved my growth hacking and paid ad strategy for them which was they have a five dollar cookie yeah. and so for the hundred grand we basically said we'll give twenty thousand of those roughly twenty thousand of those away I give you a cookie, you give one to somebody else. You get one and you get a voucher. Right. And then we just did this pay it forward just because gifting where basically they got everybody's CRM list and we got a custom audience using Facebook ads for every single person that touched that cookie. 
Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, that's 20,000 email addresses. Uh, they did exceptionally well off of that investment. Uh, and even still to this day, the email address and creating a list is still so important, which is what we're always talking to our clients about. It's just like, make that list, guys. Yeah. You know, because you own that information. That's one yeah, of the very few like, things. We're renting from Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else. We're just renting that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like those other channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, social media. Um, you are in a, a in an arrangement. Yeah, they have a business model, right? Their business model is eyeballs of profit, right? They are trying to retain attention as much as possible. Yeah. So when you make an ad, a lot of advertisers think of it as I'm going to put money in and I'm going to try to get money out. Yeah. Facebook sees it as we're going to offer you some of our organic inventory. We're yeah. going to charge you for it. Now, if you give the users a positive experience, yeah, we're going to give you a discount. And if that user has a bad experience, we're going to charge you extra. Love the way you've done that. That's a great analogy <laughs> of it. And that's, that's all it is. Facebook ads is paying for organic reach. And that's all that it is. After that, like everything else is completely like... Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, we're we're going to you... disrupt someone at the right time that we think they want to see that piece of jewelry and buy it. Make it yeah. good and make that experience brilliant. Even post-click on your website, how it performs. Oh, please, yeah. Make it all A-star and we'll bring your costs down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because then you are seen as a good partner. Yeah. Right? In any relationship, if your partner says, this is what I need from you. Like, I'm married. I don't know about you. But like, if, if my wife comes to me and says, I need X, Y, and Z. And my response is basically to give her the middle finger and try to take all of her money. It's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. And people complain all the time that they disrespect end users and the Facebook business relationship and it doesn't work out for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that's that's kind of where I come from with a lot of this stuff. And so ultimately I got a job as the supervisor at Omnicom for the Southwest stuff. I walked in, I had nine months, six months of Facebook ad experience, um, which basically made me one of the most qualified people around. And at the time Facebook <laughs> yeah, yeah. was uh, pay-per-click platform. It's funny, my buddy Dennis, you, we, we, we were talking once and like he remembers when Facebook CPMs were 25 cents. Yeah. I came in and when it was about a buck 50. Wow. So like he's got a couple of years on me. But so I got to see the innovation of a lot of this stuff. And, and you know, what we were kind of leading up to, for instance, with Omnicom and, and Resolution Media was my clients were like CBS, Nissan, worked with the Activision team, Levi's, you know, all, all of those folks. Apple, and, and I was managing you know, million dollars or more a day, easy in direct to consumer um, and brand awareness and, you know, all sorts of that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and that was 2013, 14, 15, like this is still Facebook. It was edited in Excel and didn't have a pixel. Yeah. Like as we know it today, there wasn't a conversion pixel. What you like, if you wanted to like pixel that's not around anymore as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, like, if you wanted to pixel your site to track what happened after the click, it would take a week of dev work to literally drop a code on every button, on every page, on everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I've been around since then. And we were doing a million dollars a day in direct-to-consumer um, back, you know, when, when you couldn't even track a conversion. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I've been around a little bit, you know, so you, <laughs> to say so, the least. Which is really interesting. So are you seeing, like, if, we th- if we're talking about, like, first and third-party cookies, obviously iOS has happened, 96% mm-hmm. of people are dropping out, have opted out, you know, we're, we're, every platform is being hit. So people are like, Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. It's like, no, it's everyone. This is like every. Oh, yeah. So we're talking now, you know, there's going to be companies out there who are who are going to be trying to create first-party cookies that can go on your website and all this sort of stuff and you know all these other things out there that people are saying oh this is the new thing it's like well facebook or someone else would have bought those companies out yet if they'd figured it they would have been acquired Mm -hmm. because facebook is pretty all these platforms are desperate to sort this thing out how do you see from what you saw 10 years ago to where you see it going now are you seeing that we're because the pixels just having problems that the tracking getting that information back to Facebook, you've seen that we're having to go back to how it kind of was with custom, you know, building custom audiences, building, custom, you know, custom conversions and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I actually lean the other way. Um, and, and here's why, more than anything. Um, iOS 14, the part of the journey that the pixel is blocked or has struggled with is the last, five you know is the last yard right it's the last meter in a hundred meter dash yeah i'll put it like this one the average user in a first world country uk united states whatever has had a facebook account if adults right for at least 10 years now on average at least 10 years facebook has seen the millions of websites pages pixel events you've fired engagements messages on messenger dms that you've sent content you've seen, likes that you've given, comments you've dropped, the pages that you clicked on, the things that you've joined. And they've used a lot of that over the years to deliver you in an optimized CPM environment, the content that you like, right? Like when you go on Reels, it's all stuff that you enjoy, right? Like when you go on somebody else's Facebook, you might be following the exact same people. It's very different. Yeah. Same with Instagram, right? There's these curated feeds. So Facebook has gotten really, really good at that, right? And they've been doing that now for seven years, something like that, since around 2014, 2015, with the implementation of, of the OCPM environment. Yeah. Optimized CPM, because Facebook used to be pay-per-click. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. You can Google that later or ask one of us afterwards. That's a whole other conversation. But basically, there's a curated feed. So with that curated feed, Facebook knows what content you like. Yeah. It knows what content you want to engage with. It also knows over those years, what it takes to get you to take a desired action. Yeah. Because you've been telling Facebook for five, 10 years now, around beginning of February, I'm going to start looking at flowers stuff. These are the types of things that I look at. This is the type of content. When, when I see this ad around this time, I tend to click on it and take this action. And it's known what seeds that concept and what primes and conditions you to take that action because you've taught it for years and years and years, right? We know something happens around, I mean, again, Facebook is just a machine, it's just an algorithm, but it understands around late October, early November, people start to click on, what do you click on? What kind of content do you see? So Facebook is extraordinarily aware based on literally trillions of data points. Because remember, there's billions of users, millions of websites, how to condition people to take certain actions. So from where I'm standing, We've got a decade of experience on millions of actions taken, a data set of billions of users, um, 
you know, the average person is on three to four platforms that Facebook owns a data stream on. You might have Messenger, you might have Facebook app, you might have Instagram, you might have WhatsApp, et cetera. Yeah. And you've also given it at least half a dozen or more cycles of testing on you to understand your flow as an individual. So that being said, the last part of that, that oh, one other point, let's not pretend like Facebook doesn't see credit card data, yeah. doesn't see transaction data, because everybody's selling this information, right? Well, and Facebook you used to... from the data houses, why, it's why an app's free. Yeah, and, and to be fair, back in the day, you used to be able to select these credit card company custom audiences and Facebook, and it was a premium. Facebook used to tell you how much extra every audience costs you. Like this audience costs you 50 cents more. This audience costs you 30 cents more. They eventually got rid of it. But every interest group, every custom audience, every customization is extra. Guac is extra. You know what I'm saying? Like it's gonna, it's gonna, it's an extra pound, right? Like it's an extra euro, it's an extra buck. It's a little. So all of that being said, Facebook knows what you've done. Facebook knows what you like. It knows what content you are. It knows how to prime you for a con and, and condition you to take an action. It knows what actions you want. It knows what pages you're clicking on. For instance, like when I was running New Balance, or their ad account, not the brand. I was not CEO of New Balance. Let's, let's not think about it. Yeah. Uh, if you've clicked on an ad, say you have ad blocking, but you've clicked on an ad from Nike, you're away for five, 10 minutes, you come back. You click on an ad from Reebok, you're away for five or 10 minutes, you come back. You click on an ad for Puma, you're gone for five or 10 minutes, you come back. Odds are you wanna see my New Balance ad. Also, I know that around this time before, you know, late spring every year, you end up making a transaction for some sort of trainers. And I know exactly which ones you've bought, the SKU, the credit card number, all of this stuff. All of that is information that Facebook has before we get to tracking you on a pixel. Yeah. So that pixel is just the last little bit of that journey. And so my whole point with that is I lean into, and I've been teaching this for, for five years now, I lean into broad audiences yeah. because I basically have this theory. Every ad effectively makes its own lookalike audience, right? Every post, like when you make a reel, Facebook or Instagram, they see who responds positively to that content and they show it to other people, right? That's why some of them get a hundred views and some of them get like 3000, right? And you see content from people you didn't know existed. Yeah. So Facebook knows who to show this to for particular reasons. Now, when you say show this to people that are like it, but I'm also trying to condition people to take this action, uh, conversion objective that I might be optimizing towards within a certain window, my optimization and attribution now it's just one window it used to be two right um every ad effectively makes its own i try to think of it as it makes its own look like audience it makes its own little circle of people and confidence really good people and expanding out yep now when you go broad you're saying hey i'm gonna let you touch anybody in the universe you want when you start to use audiences like interest groups or local likes or something what you're doing is you're paying extra to make a circle the, of only the people you want it to show to. Now, the problem is Facebook, the, the really good impressions are only going to be where those two circles overlap, where they make a Venn diagram. Right. Those are going to be the really good ones. The problem is that's very limited. And ultimately, when you tap out of that, Facebook then has to start showing impressions to other people that 
that ads lookalike audience doesn't really overlap, but you said you have to serve this inventory and you've already burned through all the good people. So yeah. now I'm going to start giving people a bad experience. Yeah. So you're paying extra to force a bad experience on users within the platform, which inherently raises your cost of advertising. Now, maybe you get conversions for a good price, but your CPMs might creep up to the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, because you're representing yourself as a bad business partner to Facebook. And if you do that over and over and over again, you're going to get priced out of even being able to do business. Yeah. Because you might have found a cost-effective way of abusing the end user and disrespecting their relationship with the platform, but eventually you're going to be seen as too much of a liability because there's somebody else that's going to do it well. And at the end of the day, there's no shortage of advertisers. Nobody has a completely uh, discrete product that is them, right? Every ad, every impression is basically retargeting impression anyway. So somebody else is going to sell more or less the exact same thing that you are or provide more or less the same service you are. But if they have more respect for the end user, they're going to win that impression because it's a meritocracy of experience. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest gap. So for me, I'm broad all day. And I used to not be like that, but you, you would start, you would narrow or stack big, you know, to get. The oh yeah. So when you say yeah, broad, yeah. how describe to me a broad audience to you is broad. Just sure. like I want females age 30 plus us or are you yeah. just like they're into jewelry on one audience and mm. jewelry, or the other one they're into gifts or whatever. Is that what you mean? By yeah. So we're using broad as a noun, not as an adjective. So we think of broad as an adjective. It's a very broad audience. It's very big. Facebook sees broad. When Facebook uses the term broad, they're using it as a noun. It is basically age, gender, and location. Any additional piece you put on top of that costs extra. Now, again, back in the day, you used to literally be able to see, oh, my CPMs are going to be this. I'm going to tack on this thing. Now it went from a buck 50 to a buck 75. Or went from, you know, whatever, like you started to stack on. Yeah. So a broad audience, by definition, age, gender, location. Um, outside of that, you really start to pay a premium to effectively make it harder for an ad to see a good impression and make it more difficult for Facebook to deliver positive experiences and condition users to take an action. So basically, you're paying extra to make it harder to be successful. Right. So... Would you then, so with your, with your clients then, are you, are you just going broad? Now, are, you, are you putting it down to Facebook? Knows its users unbelievably mm -hmm. well. They now know, mm -hmm. you put the pixel on the side, so they now know that you sell jewellery. They now know mm -hmm. through what's going on in your website, through that pixel, it's, it's, you may have not even turned an ad on, but it knows enough about what's going on on that whole funnel to say men and women, 25 years old, UK wide, run the ad. Yep. And it's not just the pixel. Facebook's crawled your website. They've seen your catalog. They've compared your metadata to every single other person doing the exact same thing. So now you're a hashed member of a giant data set. And when it comes time for Facebook to decide whose impression should we give, there is the auction of how much you're going to bid to get it. But Facebook's also like, well, you might be willing to pay more, but this user, for whatever reason, should be delivered content they want to see. And what really happens is also, if you start thinking about that, the more you're willing to pay, the higher your CPMs are, the more 
for lack of a better word, disrespectful you might be to this business relationship. And I'm trying to be hyperbolic to make the point. Like, yeah. I'm not literally this hyperbolic. I'm just trying to like really make it, you know, uh, right and left, up and down, black and white, like very, yeah, yeah. you know, binary. You're not going to get the good impression. You're not going to get the impression that drives the action you're trying to do. You're going to get the impression because you told Facebook, look, I'll pay $50, $60 to reach a thousand people. Great. Well, somebody else is giving a much better user experience. So we're going to make sure that person reaches all the really good people. Yeah. So we've always said this. We've said it's not, it's you, it's an open, it's an open playing field because just mm -hmm. because the big, the big companies got the big PLCs got or re retail PLCs got all the money and they sell jewelry. But if you're a little jewelry company and you're doing amazing ads and your engagement's great and you're doing some amazing reels and blah, blah, Facebook's seeing that engagement and going, mm -hmm. the guys with the big money, I'm going to get this, this. These people deserve it. Yeah. And also when you're talking about scale, economies of scale, you have to also understand that success is defined differently. You know, a lot of my students in the MBA program or a lot of the clients I work with, success for them might be 20 sales a day. It might be 200 sales a day. It might be 2,000. But the point is, if success for you is, say, 10 sales a day, how many impressions do you really need to deliver on a daily basis to reach that point of business success for yourself? Yeah. Maybe it's 10 sales a day today. Next month is 12. The month after that is 15. Maybe the month after that is 20. Maybe you take a step back, whatever. By the end of the year, you're like 30, 40 a day. Phenomenal job. You've three extra business, right? I mean, a 2% change on like a weekly basis is a 300% change in your business. Yeah. I was trying to remember, you don't need to do, you don't need to move mountains. Steady growth is way easier to maintain. So if you have a bunch of people that are just doing good work, they're going to be able to steal all the, all the really great impressions, all the really great inventory. Um, and that's one of the advantages of direct consumer advertising over retail brands that are trying to port their strategies into social. Yeah. And while they are raising the cost of advertising for everyone, like when I would dump a million dollars into an interest group to do market research for CBS, you're going to pay higher. But like, Remember, those interest groups basically only exist because when Facebook was a pay-per-click platform, they wanted to make it comfortable and familiar for Google advertisers. But yeah. their developers stopped supporting that technology seven years ago. So you're using seven-year-old tech. Imagine if you were still using your iPhone from seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is clearly going to be the thing that I'm going to make. I'm going to revolutionize you know my, my kids are never going to have to work i'm going to hire a whole bunch of people like it's never going to work like that that's yeah. an unrealistic expectation yeah so going from that then these broad audiences this is what i'm really interested in because obviously everyone's testing audiences and how do you you've got a client and mm -hmm. then you they've got let's say they're not brand new they've got data they may have given you some lists of email addresses and stuff like that so you sure. can start really feeding up the ads manager or whatever how do you go about testing audiences? Do you test audiences or do you just, because we, we, no? I mean, what do you, what, no. what, what, I will say this. I, I do test audiences, but not in the way that people think. Broad is my environment. 
Now, remember we said every ad makes effectively its own lookalike audience, right? Every ad based Facebook sees who responds positively, who responds negatively. They're going to go out and find more people to respond positively because, hey, they don't want to show an ad to somebody that's not going to like it. There's a meritocracy of user experience. Facebook then constructs an environment around each ad to show that to the right person. Yeah. So really, this is a creative issue. And what I'm getting to that is every creative concept, when you're doing a creative test, should be designed to ultimately solve a problem. Either you are trying to get more efficient at a specific sales pitch, you have a car dealership, you're selling sports cars, minivans, and sedans. You need to sell the minivan for a little bit better. Well, why don't we work on our sales script for selling that minivan? Now, when somebody comes in and asks for a sports car, you're not appealing to them, but you're gonna get that minivan more and more efficient. Now, let's say you have only ads for minivans and people keep coming to you wanting uh, you know, sports cars or sedans. Now, a lot of brands make the mistake of saying, well, I have a good ad. I'm just going to make 20 more like it and try to scale. Well, you saturated that audience. Those ads are basically the, the Venn diagram of the lookalike audiences of all of your winning ads is basically a circle. Yeah. It represents some infinitesimal piece of the overall environment. Yeah. If you want to start scaling increasing spend, because remember, that's efficiency. That's lowering CPA, increasing customer quality and volume. Excellent thing to do. Totally a valuable piece. If you want to instead scale spend, then you need to create content that specifically appeals to a different person. So again, in this environment, if every ad you have as a minivan, you're doing really good, you're scaling your business, and at some point you hit a threshold, if I want to buy a sports car, if I want one of those beautiful neon 11 Targas that are behind you and you say, awesome, here's my grand caravan from Dodge. I'm like, but, but I want the, oh, great. I'm, I'm glad it seats seven people. It's super sick. Like all you have is a sales pitch of selling that minivan. You're losing me. So if you want to scale your audience to the 911 Target people, that beautiful sports car, make an ad that appeals to that person. And now you have an ad that appeals to this audience and an ad that appeals to this audience and one that appeals to this one and to this one. And ultimately, you start to be able to appeal to different types of individuals. Yeah. And when you have ads that appeal to different types of people, you can start to also let those ads create a customer journey because in broad, I'm also not doing retargeting because in my opinion, every impression is retargeting because if it's the first ad you've seen from my brand, Facebook has decided, well, based on your previous behavior, you want to see this. Remember, like you went to Nike, you went to Reebok, you went yeah. to Puma. Well, my New Balance ad might be cold traffic, but you've also spent 20, 30 minutes on all of my competitors today. So you're, I'm retargeting you. And advanced matching, which is part of the Power Five, um, would be in the disruptive group to help put that together. Um, that, that's what that does. So you can really start basically retargeting end users traffic from other websites and other content. So my point with that is when I'm testing audiences, what I'm doing is I'm testing types of content because each one of those pieces of content effectively creates its own yeah. focus. So you'd be the same you, in the audience side, in the ad set page, it would be the same audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so massively broad US audience. Yeah. People age 25 plus. They see the Porsche sure. sports car because Facebook knows that you're creatively putting out a sports car and your copy is talking about a sports car. So it's going to show the sports car to the people who are interested in a sports car. You could use exactly sure. the same audience for any other product. You're leaving it entirely for Facebook 
to find the people, that pocket of people in there. Yeah. Now, the one exception to this rule where my analogy falls a little bit short, and I'll call myself out on it, is I organize my campaigns by business objective. So in this case, I might have a campaign specifically for minivans. I might have a campaign specifically for sports cars. I might have a campaign specifically for sedans. I would yeah. also make a custom conversion event so that Facebook knows I'm not optimizing towards a purchase. I'm optimizing towards the sale of a minivan. Because ultimately, what we're trying to do is lower our CPA. Yeah. There's a lot of wonderful metrics that make people sound really smart, like MER and ROAS and all of this other stuff that doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's out of context vanity metrics as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we agree. Uh, and, and I'll say that for really quick. The only equation that matters in direct consumer advertising is CPA plus COGS, cost per acquisition plus cost of goods, that number divided by LTV. What is the margin on user experience? Every transaction you drive is either pushing somebody further towards that LTV or starting a new journey. Revenue is volume of, uh, is basically total volume of opportunity. How many people do you get in the opportunity of going to that LTV? That's, that's the entire business. Everything else is a distraction. On, everyone's focusing on the acquisition. Put 10 pounds in, get 50 pounds out. And it's like, sure. how, much, how much returning business are you getting to your company? Sure. What lifetime value? How many times does 30% of your, does 30% of the people, if you're only using Facebook to drive acquisition, and you're not doing anything else, but your business is still growing because those people are coming back all the time and 30% are buying again on your average order value of $55, then you can't go off the row hours of the beginning ad of the first ad, can you? Yeah. You have to go off the return yeah. on that. And, and at the end of the day too, you can't control row hours. No. I might come to the store and drop 50 bucks. Now you got deep pockets, you're buying for 20 people, you spend a thousand. Your ROAS might be 20 on that transaction. Mine might be three. Does yeah. it really mean yeah. that your advertiser can take any action on that data? Yeah. No. There's, there's no way to control for that. So if you can't take action on it, then the data is effectively useless. I, I, I'm only interested in actionable data that allows me to take high confidence binary decisions. Everything else is a report card to like can show home to my parents. I got a sticker and like, fantastic. Great. It doesn't yeah. mean anything though. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking it, about separate campaigns, so sorry, you got, you wouldn't, you got a campaign. Let's, let's call it Mercedes. Okay. Mercedes campaign. And in that you wouldn't have an, an ad set for their AMG sports. You wouldn't alongside an ad set for their SUV along with their, minivan or whatever because in that campaign you're using even that you're using the same audience but it's within the same campaign so you'll have a mercedes amg campaign a mercedes minivan campaign mm -hmm. and you'll try and then you'll try out different copy different creative within that campaign for that particular car yeah and what i'm trying to do is you know let's say it's a sprinter right this thing is safe that's one concept, marketing angle. Another one is it can load all of this stuff. Another marketing angle, another concept. You have price, you have quality. There's all sorts of these different things. Now, one of the other things is when you get a bunch of ads that all work in that, what they do is Facebook knows what's gonna prime and condition you for an action. Mm -hmm. So that broad audience is actually doing a lot of retargeting to make sure that you see the right thing. And we know that this happens because the frequency is more than one, right? Like you, no ad set ever has a frequency of one unless you're doing daily unique reach. Like 
it's always 1.1, 1.4, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And there's this other just for what it's worth, there's this other metric called first time impression ratio, which as far as I'm concerned is totally useless information because am I controlling that? Is my bottom line is it, like, there's these report cards and these like grades on info, but if it's not actionable, it doesn't really matter. And the reason I bring that up is I don't care about today versus tomorrow versus yesterday on how, many, how much retargeting is happening. If Facebook is conditioning the experience to get you to take that action, then I'm happy with that. Also, Facebook is the fuel for the fire of your overall business model. Facebook is amplifying a successful business model. Um, I have to give respect and, and quote, quote my, my buddy Cody uh, of Jones Road, um, Jones Road Beauty, Cody Plofker. Um, he said something and I've been quoting him ever since, so I wanna give him credit. Whereas a good business will scale a Facebook ad account. And he's 100% correct. It's, it's so much more elegant than the paragraph I used to have to describe with that. And the point is, maybe Facebook gets you one sale. How many users came to your website that then searched you later or signed up for your email list or did any other action? And the real trick to face to, to acquisition media, growth marketing, and my prediction is this is going to be the measure du jour in 2024, 2025, because we still have everybody ad agencies trying to prove their value because of ROAS, which I think is a dying model. It has to be a relationship on business growth is incremental lift. When you spend more money on Facebook, what happens to the rest of your channels, right? Or when you spend more money, like we all know inherently, if you, if you double your Facebook spend, your search volume is going to go up. Your CRM list is going to grow. So what's your margin, knowing that you lift all these other channels, what is your allowable CPA yeah. on Facebook? How much spend can you drive yeah. on one channel? And eventually, when you get to that, you stop caring about attribution. Because it doesn't matter who gets credit. It matters in, these are, this is my mixture. When I add more of this, I get more of that, right? Yeah. And, and it's like using sports cars if you make a high performance gasoline when you're adding in the oxygen and you're getting all the stuff is it one molecule that does all the work no it's like it's the combination of everything and i know because i used to have a hot rod like if i put that like octane boost stuff in there it's not the thing that makes the car go but when i do that um it goes a lot faster right the, the engine is louder i get i get more you know it's more rapid right i get more velocity and yeah. power and so we have to think of Facebook as, as serving that function in our business. And I think ultimately, if you can measure for that, you're going to be wildly successful because it eliminates you from having to have this conversation of who gets credit. Because yeah. credit, and this is just one thing, the idea of attribution on digital marketing, first off, it's people love it. It's been around forever. It was a sales pitch. Attribution started because digital marketing companies wanted to prove that they deserved spend, that they did something. So, you know, programmatic advertising in the late 90s, early 2000s, salespeople came up with this idea and the technology had to prove its efficacy of showing attribution. We get credit for this thing. And that just basically became indoctrinated after decades and generations of media buyers as something that was important when it really isn't. 
because before that happened, plenty of businesses ran on television, billboards, t- you know, print ads, radio. There's no attribution. They just did it. Um, and they grew. Yeah, and they understood what happened. And I had to learn this because I was a big attribution hawk, right? Like I when I, I used to be at this other ad agency called Hyphen. It was an FMP. I was a senior there. And my job is basically bring bring in a client that's working with five agencies. I'm going to measure everybody down to a one day click, and I'm going to steal the ad spend from every other agency because we also do Google, we also do Dev, we also do creative work. You don't need to work with these five other people. Give us the money. So I went out there and I just got the money from everybody. It was, it was a fun job, and I learned a lot. And then I went in client side with this brand called Three Ten Nutrition, and I started to do that. And the president of that company was the former vice president of Guthy Ranker. Uh, $100 million a year on television. Right. Her attribution model was 15 minutes after the infomercial aired. That was it. She could manage $100 million a year growing Ginsu knives and Proactive and like all of these huge brands on time of a television commercial. And so when she taught me how she measures that, it was six months of me telling her I was right, telling her I was right, telling her I was right, and her kicking me out of her office until I figured it out. Like, we had a very contentious relationship, but it was out of respect, right? And yeah. I still say her name is Marina. She's one of the smartest people I've ever worked with, one of the greatest bosses I've ever had. I could not be half the man I am today, professional, without working with her. Smart women run this industry, and I don't think they get nearly enough credit. Um, so Marina, when I finally came to her and said... Well, for every $5, every $10 we spend on Facebook, we generate a 1% lift in direct traffic. We're getting three email addresses. The value per email is X and the search volume is Y and our direct traffic, direct, but we're driving higher volume because we're promoting over here and measuring the shapes of the curves. She loved me. And you know who else loved me was Facebook and Google and Snapchat. So they all did like, we did a bunch of these combined case studies of seeing what happens. Like I got a million dollars from Google, a million dollars from Facebook to just spend on brand awareness to see what happened to search volume. And we could legitimately measure an efficacy curve over what you're doing between the two of them. Now, ultimately what ended up happening is if you're not optimizing towards a conversion objective, uh, you're getting a whole bunch of awareness to people that are never going to buy. So that was a fun lesson. Well, that's the thing now. Great, you've brought that because, you know, traffic campaigns, you know, you bring, and I came off a call yesterday, a consultancy call yesterday with a lad who said, oh, I've had a Facebook marketing expert. And I was like, okay, here we go. And uh, I said, what do they tell you? Awareness at the top followed by traffic and then put some conversions at the bottom of the funnel. He went, yeah, that's exactly it. And I said, yeah, they've been saying it for five years. Yeah, and it's, and it's been wrong. For, for what it's worth, by the way, Facebook marketing experts, Facebook had so many advertisers that they couldn't hire in-house for good reps. So they farmed it out to third-party agencies that are basically just trying to get money. Um, but those marketing experts are great opportunities. If you reach out to them and you say, thank you for this, I'd love to get a power lift study. Now that's something that you need Facebook's measurement and engineering team to deliver to you. But what that does is it raises the visibility of your rep. And so it starts making relationships where that rep has to work to their counterpart that's actually a Facebook employee to get two other departments together to come back. Now you do that a few times and and eventually you're a good lead and you get picked up by the person that actually cares about you 
You know, the person that's, you know, in London, the person that's in Chicago, the person that's in Austin, instead of the person that's, you know, not, I'll put it that way. I don't know what the London version of it is, but in America, they're all in Phoenix for some reason. I, I, um, I, I don't know. I would say Ireland. Manchester, it's but Ireland that's probably a pretty here. big city. We have them, they're all in Ireland. Okay, fair enough. Nothing against LinkedIn. the Irish, but that's where the marketing experts are, right? Well, I, was uh, in, I was on with LinkedIn yesterday and amazing. Chalk and cheese. Like you can see how they're trying, these other platforms are trying to catch up. We're seeing with TikTok, the amount of stuff that TikTok can bring out. It is like super helpful. We want you on our platform and we're going to mm-hmm. help you spend money. Whereas Facebook's yeah. just gone, oh, tell him to run a traffic campaign. Yeah. And, and to be fair, so to get back to your point about traffic and brand awareness and video views and then retargeting with conversions and all of that. I'm, I'm inspired by the Porsches in the back. Again, love that picture, man. That is great. It made me so happy. As soon as we talked about it, before we even hopped on, we had a five minute conversation. Forget about one, Porsches. you come over to the UK, we drive it. <sighs> I, want ones over um, I was just in the UK and it was beautiful. I, I spent uh, a 10 day European vacation. We can talk about it later. Where are you? Um, oh, where were you in the UK? I went to London. My wife went to school at Goldsmith. So okay. she was there for a year or so. So we went to, uh, we were in, I guess, was it West Chapel? Somewhere in zone one, but like the last tube spot in the, in the east uh, in, in zone one. Um, but I got to walk to the Tower Bridge. And, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know, I, spent yeah, did, time, I spent half my time down there. Um, yeah. And it's amazing. I love it. It, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And then we went to the Italian Alps, did some snowboarding, went to Paris, came back, went to Camden Town, bought some like oh, well, we need Paris. We need to. Well, if, you, if you're into snowboarding as well, I just came back two weeks ago. So this is another conversation now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, getting back to it. By the way, I went to Chalet Alphonse, beautiful in the Alps, just to go snowboarding. And what I had the greatest that? Chalet Alphonse. In what resort? Is that, that, that's... that's its own. It's its own thing. All right. Okay. It's in the city of Trenton or outside of it. Okay. Either way, um, it was beautiful. We'll chat uh, we made a, we'll chat yeah, I made a reel, by the way, of us. Like, they have this heated seat that's sort of like an Instagram moment okay. uh, where they serve you this giant thing. Uh, we made an Instagram reel of the, like, sneezing into your shoulder or whatever. 480,000 views later on my personal on my personal Instagram. I was like, I tried to repost it on my business one, and I got, like, 2,000 views. Nobody cared. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to... Conversions and traffic. Yeah, back to where we were. Uh, I'm ADD. I could have five conversations. I love it. I love it. This is fun. Um, so traffic and, con- and conversion. I will make this analogy because, again, inspired by the cars. If I'm a car dealership, I might look at my numbers and say, one out of three out of four people that test drive a car, buy one. It's a pretty decent number. Let's say half. Let's be Let's be conservative. Half the people that test drive a car buy one. Now, let's say I've got a, uh, you know, a BMW, Merce- you said Mercedes, right? Or a Porsche. Let's say we've got a Porsche dealership. Half the people that test drive a Porsche buy a Porsche. Awesome. So you could look at it and say, oh, that's my retargeting audience. I just need to get more volume of people. So I just need to get more test drives. Totally makes sense. We're on the logic train is, is making yeah. sense. So how do you get more test drives? Well, the easiest way of doing a test drive is put that Porsche next to like a college campus and a homeless shelter and tell everybody they get a free meal if they take a test drive. You're going to get 10,000 test drives and sell nothing. Yeah. That's basically the same thing that you're doing when you're running a traffic or video view campaign because 
these people have no signal to Facebook that they're interested in actually taking an action. So you're heavily polluting your data set um, with people that basically don't care. And that is that can cripple the bottom line to a business. Um, a conversion campaign is specifically designed to have that journey of condition and prime to take an action. Yeah. So every impression in that journey is trying to get people along the way to take that action. And to be fair, you can retarget people that are doing stuff to other people, and you might prime somebody to buy from your competitor. That's going to happen. But if you're running traffic and video view, Maybe that's effective. And here's the other side. Maybe that end ROAS, which I see screenshots of the retargeting ad set at like a crazy ROAS. Again, ROAS is a nonsense number. But you're not taking into account the investment to get that retargeting audience to go. So if it costs you 2,000 pounds to build an audience that you can spend 300 bucks a day on or 100 bucks yeah. a day, like the unit economics, you're still losing money. Yeah. But somebody on Twitter or Instagram or, you know, somebody on stage at some summit gets to point to a giant number on the screen and say, like, this is working for us. But it's an this out of context hard, number. This is the hardest thing about that funnel, isn't it? Because logic would say if you're going to do a, a toff, a moff and a boff, let's sure. get loads of people, video views at the top or traffic at the top. It's all going to come in and then we're going to create some great, we're going to, we're going to create an audience of website visitors. And then we're mm -hmm. going to retarget the website visitors that have just been brought in from traffic, which is students buying a Porsche. It's not going to happen. And then you retarget yeah. them on people. I think where my students and probably yours as well, finding it hard then is, okay, well, if I'm, but if I'm using conversion at the top, it's going to take so much longer or so much more money to build those audiences as you go through. Do you see what I mean? So mm -hmm. it'd be harder to breathe. You're going to get, you're not going to get a million clicks a day for 10 quid on traffic. You might get, 25 clicks for 10 pounds instead of 250 clicks for 10 pounds so it's going to take longer to build that audience but this sure. is where the correct so do you agree with that this is where the creative comes more in because those clicks are so much now so much more important oh yeah oh yeah it's the same thing for like lead gen like i can get you leads for i see people all the time i can lower your cost per lead great you give me five cent leads my call center can't handle calling four thousand people that don't give a damn I don't even have the I don't even have the capacity of handling that volume of terrible traffic. Yeah. My point, what I try to tell people and teach folks is we're not in the business. You shouldn't be in the business of trying to be profitable on day one. No business. If you went to a bank and said, I'm going to open a shop and here's my business model. And in 45 days, I'm going to be printing money. They're going to laugh you out of the business. Yeah. Because that is a completely unrealistic thing. What we should be focusing on, and I always tell people, like, when you're starting a brand, think of it like this. You have one product. Your product is your brand. Most business owners don't think of the exit strategy for their business when they're starting to make first and second steps. So if you're trying on every single day to make money, what that ultimately means is over time, you're going to be making far less because if I can work on consistently improving the volume and quality of my customer, it's not a question of if I can make things work. It's a question of how long until my business is so strong and successful that I can not have to do it anymore. And some people want to run a business to work it every day. But if you're starting a business to give yourself a day job, great. I get it. Maybe this isn't the conversation for you. If you're starting a business to create jobs and ultimately wealth for yourself and independence, then 
there should be an idea of, are you going to do this every single day for the rest of your life? And if the answer is no, at what point are you okay leaving? And maybe that's just getting investors. Maybe that's selling more and more of your company, whatever it is, or selling the whole thing piecemeal all the way out the door, whatever that looks like. But if you start with conversions right away, every single person in your CRM list, every single person in your entire ecosystem is going to be focused towards helping you generate more and more value. Yeah. And I'll make this one more analogy. Like, if you're growth hacking, one of the most common things people do is they just go to a page and then just follow everybody. Awesome. You're going to get some followers. Maybe you get two, three, five thousand followers. Great. When you get to 10,000 followers, because you're actually running business, half of that data set is completely useless. And we start to monetize that. You're losing 50 cents on every dollar to pay for the waste because you built an asset where a large percentage of it was completely useless, but yeah. you have to still support that legacy. Yeah. And, and so I always look at it as an investment banker. How much of my portfolio do I want to be dead weight? Yeah. The answer should probably be as, as close to zero as possible. Absolutely. It's the same with, so we, we also do LinkedIn and, uh, and well, you know, we double in all of them, but LinkedIn, B2B, you know, getting your, getting your link clicks between five and $10 is good. So if it's costing you 60, uh, let's say it's costing you 10 pounds or $10 to get a click to your site, you're really paying attention to how you're going to treat that person when they hit it. And I think yeah. Facebook needs to be the same, but I think we've gone through such a period of time where it was easy, wasn't it? You know, you could put something out mm -hmm. there and you got orders from it. And fucking hell, you know, if you're looking at ROAS, people go, oh, I've got five ROAS on doing that. Those sort of days are gone. You really need marketing 101 is now more prevalent across these platforms than it ever has. You really have yeah. to think about what you're putting in front of people, testing, copying, creative, make, seeing what resonates, seeing what engages with people, making sure that's tying it with an audience and all this sort of stuff. Um, and I think people forget, I think, uh, unfortunately, the education behind it is you know it's it's this is a lot to learn isn't it we do this yeah. day to day with people's money and you learn very fast it's hard it's hard yeah to do, isn't it? yeah and one of the reasons you know i've developed a reputation over the last few years now i got kicked out of everybody's facebook group in 2016 2017 like the ad leaks of the world and all of these folks because I would offer actionable advice. And honestly, when I see people post ideas that I think I understand, I was where you were. I thought this too. I then spent a couple million dollars and had to learn a mistake. I mean, I'm hundreds of millions of dollars and nearly a decade in, right? Like my clients and students have done over a billion in revenue. I, I, I've kind of been there and done that, right? Um, this is people's bottom line. Like this is food on the table, right? This is a roof over your head. This is, do you have to give up on your dream or can you hire people? These are the types of conversations we're really having. So when somebody goes out there and gives bad advice enthusiastically and they're popular, a lot of people will take that on as being gospel. Yeah. But at the end of the day, a really slick salesperson is rarely ever the person that's also exceptionally good at the work. Yeah. And there's very few times where that crossover, you know, is a net positive. 
And I think we've seen generations of media buyers where when Facebook came out, people applied email and Google best practices to it because it was a PPC platform. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Then it evolved. But you could still do things the wrong way. One, because the inventory was so cheap, underpriced attention. Gary Vee talked about it all the time. Absolutely true. But there's something else at play. Um, or two other things. One, the saturation of, uh, of opportunity was now there might be 10,000 people selling the exact same thing you are. Yeah. In 2017, 2018, there might have been 500. Yeah. We're also facing a much bigger issue in that 2013 to 2020, 2010 to 2020, we basically had more or less almost nine or 10 years of just booming economy. Yeah. And when you have a booming economy, that means everybody has more disposable income. Everybody can buy luxury items. And at the end of the day, very few things that we sell online, very few services we offer online are essentials, right? If it's makeup, if it's weight loss, if it's sneakers, if it's yard service or like, you know, solar panels or whatever, like these are effectively luxury items. And when you get down to somebody looking at their stock portfolio and they took another 5% hit for three months, six months in a row, and maybe the price of gas is going up or, you know, they've done all this other stuff. You really starting to make the question, like, do I need bread? Do I need to pay rent or should I buy these sneakers? Yeah. Now that's again, very hyperbolic and I'm trying to be hyperbolic to make the point. But we had a position where basically every year you couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And when nobody can do anything wrong and everybody's making money, it's really, really easy to run growth and acquisition direct consumer brands. Because yeah. you just have to be the appealing, shiny object that I'm going to spend money on today. Yeah, yeah. And so we now face an issue of iOS 14 basically made all of the things you're not supposed to do much, much harder to win with. Yeah. Because Facebook, not only did iOS 14 block data, but Facebook also made a couple of other announcements, which I don't think people really pay attention to. But one, they said, you know, Instagram is a video platform. They focus on communities. They really, really, in multiple press conferences, said they are working on the customer experience on the platform. They're working on the product quality, right? Now, we as Facebook advertisers say, well, Facebook ads manager is broken. You know who doesn't care about that? Anybody that doesn't use ads manager, like the other four, three billion people in the world that use Facebook product, yeah. they don't give a damn if ads manager works or not. Yeah. And we've seen disruption like from TikTok, right? So Facebook is trying to adopt that stuff. Facebook's working really, really hard on making the end user experience better. So all of these hacks and all of these inventory and demand-based platform strategies that used to work are presenting a higher and higher level of liability to the success of a business. So that's a big thing that we're facing. And ultimately, I think we see this now in that it used to be underpriced, there was less attention, everybody had money to burn. Now there's way more saturation. The hacks that worked because you could disrespect the customer are actually not good for you anymore. Yeah. Because Facebook is prioritizing you doing a good job in their experience, and you have to be a much better business person. Like your business model yeah. is far more important than your ability to, to funnel hack. Yeah. Because we're getting that CRM list, we're getting that search volume.
And then the other side of it is there's way less money to go around. So there's higher competition for fewer resources and the marketplace that you're dealing with places a much higher priority on how people behave because you have been a burden on them. And I mean that very clearly. I understand nobody signs on to Instagram. Nobody logs into Facebook to see my ad. Yeah. I am a burden on your experience. Yeah. I have to do the best I can to take that burden and make it a positive experience for you to, to generate a desired business result for myself. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you are the person stopping somebody on the street and trying to take money out of their pocket every single day. Yeah. And so back when I was a touring musician, I got good at this kind of thing, right? Just like nobody cares, right? Like, so it's not like, do you want to buy my shirt, right? It's which of these shirts do you want to buy? Here's my story. Here's why you should care, right? And you start to make these types of things. And those are the folks I think that are going to be really successful versus the folks that struggle are the ones that embrace how Facebook fits in their ecosystem and the end user experience. We talk about all the time of, well, what's working on Facebook today? Well, what's working on Facebook today for me might be very different than you. We might be selling the same thing because you've curated an audience that expects a certain type of communication from you. And I've done the same, which is completely my style. No one is objectively better or worse, but we've conditioned people to understand how we communicate and we've conditioned a machine that doesn't understand language at all. Right. It's like a dog, right? Like you're just trying to teach it to pee outside. Right. That's it. That's all we're trying to do. Don't rip up the mail and pee outside. My puppy still rips up the mail we're working on. Yeah. Uh, so if you've been doing that for a long time, like what's going to work is probably leaning more into that far more than saying, well, this audience works for this person or this creative type is working or UGC is the thing. Why is UGC a thing? Probably because consumers are getting really suspicious of advertisers and they just want to see other folks. But if your brand has developed a great relationship, maybe people don't need to see UGC from you. They just need to see the right offer, the right type of content, the right thing, right? And so there's all of this different type of stuff that's going out there. But I just I, I say all of that to, to ultimately get down to the path to success is different for everyone. But ultimately, what we have to do is one measure incremental lift. I use a doc called the ecosystem ROAS doc. I'm basically seeing spend. I'm seeing investment, return and volume by channel. And from there, I can measure incremental lift across channels. We also have to creative test specifically to do audience testing and messaging testing to increase efficiency or drive more scale. Those are the only two objectives we have to do. If you start to try to make some compromise in there, you're going to compromise your end result. You have to do one or the other. And then you need a system and a process that allows that to work where you learn from every mistake that you've made. You can repeat all the wins that you have and you can get ahead of it so that every decision you make is a binary one. A uh, high confidence binary decision. Was this a winner? Yes or no? What are we going to do with that? We have a process that's documented. Nomenclature is in line. Reporting is in line. Testing is in line. Accountability, transparency. When you have all that stuff together, it ultimately isn't a question of if you're going to be successful. It's just a matter of when are you not investing enough? Yeah. And, and when you frame the conversation in that way, 
success becomes very easy because you can point down to where's my roadblock. And ultimately gets me to my last point here, which is what I really try to stress more than anything is figure out something that works, get as much volume to something, right? And then you see where in your customer journey is something broken. Now, maybe nobody buys a second time. Improve your product quality, immediately you can spend more on Facebook. Maybe your checkout experience is tough. You get a thousand people to your store page, say 600, go to the product page, 300 add to cart, 50 buy. Okay, well, what happens when we make that 50 to 75? If we make it for that 50 to 75 because we improve that experience, we can increase our Facebook ad spend by 50%. You're going from 2,000 a day to 3,000 a day overnight and probably more because that's assuming a complete loss on all the investment. If you get one or two extra transactions for that extra $1,000, like now you're in business. And so what we do is just try to funnel everything we can to, uh, to, to honestly see where the bottleneck is and then just improve that bottleneck yeah. and then repeat the cycle over and over again. And that problem and solution solving works, whether you're running a car factory, whether you have a bakery, yeah. whether you're running Facebook ads for solar panel lead generation, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's the way I really try to look at all of this. And I think the reason I like Facebook versus other channels is because it's the world's greatest market research and intent creation device. Um, and that machine learning does all the work for you. You just have to set up the, the system to do it. And I think where the biggest, the biggest mistake people make is they try to work hard. And I'm not saying working hard is a bad thing. Working hard is a very commendable thing and you should. But Facebook is the employee. You're the manager. Every time you micromanage your employee and then get upset when they don't succeed, whose fault is that? Yeah. yeah. You know, every time you start a campaign or an ad set, you invest into it. Oh, it's a, it didn't work this month. I'm going to kill it. You're going to hire a new employee, right? Every ad set is in, I think of it as every campaign is a manager. Every ad set is like a salesperson. Every ad is a pitch. How many managers are you hiring a year? How many salespeople are you firing because they had a bad week? How much effort are you putting into giving them a better sales pitch? Yeah, yeah. If you're swimming in circles, probably like you would never run any other store by firing an employee because they had a bad first three days or yeah. a manager because they had a bad week when literally nobody stopped into any shop on the street. Yeah. So we have to think of Facebook in these real world terms. And I love it because it's the easiest for me to take real world action and to make those types of analogies. Plus the scale is effectively infinite, which is exciting because email, email is great, but you can't grow a brand on email because you need more email addresses. Yes. Search is great, but if I'm not creating intent, who's going to search for me? Um, Absolutely. That being said, Facebook and LinkedIn have the worst conversion rates on your money. Like is your email, Google, you get 30 cent click to sell a thousand dollar item. That's a great return, but like it's not scalable, right? So just yeah. all about that entire process. It's interesting when you talk talking about the bottlenecks in it, because most of the time when we're looking at, obviously, you know, we like to think we know what we're doing with how we're placed, placing the ads and what the ads look like and the creative and the copy and stuff like that. Most of the time when you're looking at those sort of stats or the click-through rates and your costs and things like that, that's not the downfall. People don't look at what's happening post-click 
to their website and you mm-hmm. start using you know we had one the other day um and i was like you know you're suddenly, so you start looking into it well you do realize that like 89 percent of the people in fact on this one no one was on desktop okay like 100 mobile and i said have you looked have you this was a consultant and I said have you looked at the mobile view no you haven't been on the mob you've not been on your client's mobile and seen if this works no okay well it's falling down because i've been on it for 10 minutes now and i still can't figure out how i go Mm -hmm. to checkout oh man i'm I'm just laughing because and it's just so true yeah i had an alcohol delivery client here in la I'll, i'll leave it at that uh two years ago their facebook ads manager person was the person running the Facebook ads was a uh, was a Facebook rep, right? And they were really happy by getting a three x return on five six hundred bucks a day. Stoked! Hey, look, fantastic. I went to their site to try to do a test because they were they were coming to me for consulting. Like, hey, we're trying to you know expand uh, and, and make this better. We can't seem to get past six hundred bucks a day. I couldn't buy on my on my on my phone. I legitimately, when I hit add to cart, the pop-up for the add to cart button came above the buy button. Yeah, yeah. Functionally, I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, within like 100 days or so, 100 days to four months, in that three to four month period, when I came on board, instead of looking at ROAS, we looked at, well, let's make a $22 margin on each individual transaction that we're running, increase the volume. And... Let's, let's work as CPA model. Uh, and, and within four months, three, four months, uh, for, instead of getting a 3X return on 600 bucks, they were making $22 per transaction at $3,000 a day and had to go out and look for funding. Yeah. Um, and they had inventory and funding issues instead of scale issues. And we brought them nationwide. Yeah. And it was because you're just looking at the business differently. But yeah, I, I was, I literally like, I, I had my wife, film me on my phone and so because a screen a, a screen record is one thing but literally like it was her birthday right and i was like okay i'm gonna order her some some drinks right i couldn't figure it out i handed it to her buddy he couldn't figure it out he handed it to somebody else he couldn't figure it out we're all sitting in this room people that have used phones for a long long time couldn't make a buy yeah and yeah. i sent that back to the rep and i was like what's going on and he's like oh well facebook's just optimizing towards desktop traffic and i was like well there's a reason uh, and and I, I just think so many people forget to think that there's a real person at the end of that dollar. You know, these are real people. How do they behave? You know, yeah. and and it is most of the time we sit there and look at these things, landing pages. You know, Google, you can see the the scroll time, and then you uh, well the percentage of the scroll, and then you're saying, okay, well our our form or our button for the pop up is at the bottom of the form, and only eleven percent of the people have gone to the bottom of the form. So we just need to put the form and the button at the top and the middle. We had one the other day and this guy's, you know, a marketing director and he's like, yeah, I don't like, I sort of had to sort of write an email back saying, I think we, yes, yes, you're at the top of the form, but I think it's quite a long form. And if that person goes down 50%, 25%, they have to go back up to the top because they now, now want to make an action. So I said, why not on every block, just have a nice, simple Call to action. I don't yeah. like it. I think it looks scruffy. Okay. You're paying us 
to make you money mm-hmm. and that's going to be a bottleneck it's so, worth a test right it's got to be like get it 10 percent of traffic see the conversion rate that occurs afterwards yeah I see so many people with that buttons at the bottom and they're like, well, I want to make sure they read the whole advertorial. My question to them is what if that's their third click? Yeah. They've already seen it. Now you're forcing somebody to scroll, wait for the page to load, scroll, wait for the page to load, scroll, wait for the page to load. Oh, look, it's a green light. I, I, I lost the sale. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, my boss came back into the room. I'm in a meeting. I have to put my phone down Yeah. or like whatever. Like it took me three minutes of page load time because I had to scroll so far to get to the button. I, I don't care anymore. And what happens afterwards, next time I go in, Facebook says, well, wow, you clicked on this ad a bunch of times. You were on the site all a bunch. Um, for whatever reason, you didn't like that. Let me show you a different option. And it's your competitor where the button's right at the top. What happened? You spent a whole bunch of money to make the guy next to you rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, we spend a lot of time just, you know, and there are, we've got some at the moment where it is a head scratch and you're watching it come in and you're going, well, what can, I, what can we do to this process mm-hmm. to make these results better how can we split test this and then you know you just split test one thing not everything because then you don't know what's worked um, oh yes absolutely and it's just yeah it's all, all these things but yeah i mean well this has been a great podcast i there's still so much i want to talk about but it's like oh yeah we, hey, look, do we can do one. this every week i still have an hour and a half of everything to talk about this is fun i like i i literally could do this on blue in the face this That's is just- Let's just do it. Let's what do I love. Monthly guest, and we can just talk about a different topic. Okay. Right yeah. Now. I love it. You can pull your audience too. Let's see what we want to talk about today. Let's solve some problems. Let's make some people some money. Let's make some jobs. Exactly. Because we haven't even talked about happy faces on people. We've talked about attribution. We haven't talked about tracking. We haven't sure. talked about the fact that you might see something in Ads Manager, but Shopify or Google Analytics isn't saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Reading that data, things like that maybe let's let's do another one because i think there's still so much more and it's been brilliant sure yeah and i can tease it with this spend is a meritocracy let's come back and explain that later yeah brilliant okay charlie it's been absolutely excellent having you on here i've literally thank you so much i haven't talked any of you in my (laughs) business like james who sometimes is my fellow co-founder who comes on to this podcast he's like and when we do talks he's actually said in front of an audience he's like oh I can speak now, can I? I've not spoken at all on this. It's been brilliant. And it's like wealth of knowledge. You've got so much experience because, and the thing I've enjoyed about this is the fact that, you know, we speak to um, people on here. We had Eric who owns Hawk Media, you know, Mm -hmm. huge company. But it's how far you've gone back, you know, the the experiences that you've had, what I've taken Mm -hmm. from the experience you've had in different fields of your work, working for other people, what you've learned from that um, CEO of that massive company has brought you to this place and you're understanding how these platforms work opposed to other people with no disrespect for them achieving amazing things, but they're, they're, they haven't have a, had as much life experience. They haven't been in the game as long. They haven't seen these things. They, you, do you know what I mean? They've come in. Oh, absolutely. You know, no, I totally get it. Erica Horton Media, a huge success. You know, I said to him, yeah. oh, do you know Gary Vee? It's like, no, Gary Vee. I was at the Super Bowl with him last night. It's like, no way. This is mad. He's been in the game seven years, six years. He's created a company valued $175 million. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. But it's, it's, I just love the way, I love the background side of how you've seen these things come to where they are now. 
and, and the journey you're going to see now from how they're going to be. I haven't, we haven't even talked about where we see Facebook and Instagram going with Facebook mm -hmm. bots. You know, is Facebook going to buy Shopify and bring it into this platform? Because at the moment, it's getting, Facebook is getting sick and tired of why are pe people leave? We have more problems. Yeah. We, and Shopify market cap is down 67% in four months. If we allow someone to build their website in our platform, they don't need to leave the platform. The metaverse, who was saying, I think, was it even, it may have been that Eric said the other day, he was like, why has Facebook created a metaverse? Because then it owns everyone. Uh -huh. Everyone in that metaverse yeah. in 10 years' time, they that's their data. They're not having to worry about Apple. They're not having to worry about Google. It's them in their own universe. Yeah, and you think about it, Amazon and Facebook already do this because a vast a huge swath of access to the internet around the world occurs on their servers. Yeah. Like two thirds of the people in the United States that access the internet access it, th access it through Amazon servers. They see that data. Facebook is went out of its way in third world to set up infrastructure where people's only experience of the internet is basically Facebook. Yes. And yeah. like Twitter as like a text function. That's it. What he wanted, his his goal was to not to have Facebook, was to have everyone hold a mobile in their hand and went on Facebook. Yeah. And it did pretty well. Did it in India. Fantastic growth. Yeah. It could, it could work anywhere. And, and as far as where things are going, another tease for that, every single time we've had a massive disruption, Facebook ad spend has gone up at at least 50% in the following 18 months. Conversion pixel, power five. I don't see why this is any different. I, I released a, a study on it a long time ago. I don't know, about six, seven months ago. Um, but yeah, if you look at the actual at volume of ad spend on the platform after every massive disruption, after every cataclysmic apocalyptic event, for what it's worth too, everybody now sitting in iOS 14 that thinks it's like, oh, it's the end of days. When Facebook brought out the Facebook pixel, it knocked half the people out of the market. Yeah. Because you couldn't, like, that was so much bigger than, than what we're seeing with iOS 14. iOS 14 was a roadblock. It was a speed bump. You didn't are have you to fundamentally way, change everything. Are you saying this in the way that the, the things that these platforms have now experienced because of iOS 14? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now do things differently, which means it's just going to get better again because they'll a problem has made them create a solution. Yeah, basically doing things poorly is less effective. Yeah. And one of the arguments I get from this, I get all the time from agency owners. It's like, well, the guy from Facebook even said this was a 10%, $10 billion hit to their ad spend. You know what it was? Because people that don't know how to use Facebook properly because they were poorly trained and overworked and, and underpaid by generations of other people that didn't know how to do it well, panicked. Because you're the one telling them, hey, this is not you, but like this is agency owners, like you're the one telling them like this stuff doesn't work anymore. Well, if, you, if, if the trusted you know, source from on high says this stuff doesn't work anymore, I'm going to probably spending. But that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas on the other hand, last since November, my I, I have equity in some, some brands, my, my women's clothing brand went from 5,000 to 20,000. I went on vacation to Europe, automated rules went from 12 to 18 in 10 days and i was snowboarding i logged into facebook once yeah my cbd brand 
yes, we are running CBD ads on Facebook. That could be a topic for three months from now, whatever. Uh, 500 to 2,000 a day in the last three months. Yeah. We're seeing the best performance we've ever seen right now. And I mean, there's a reason why some of the best brands are being extremely successful. And there is a reason why some of the people that came into the game after 2018, and that's the real shift that I'm seeing. Everybody that got in around 2017, 2018, they're dead. Like they're either embracing what they're supposed to do, or they are swearing up and down that Facebook doesn't work. Everybody that says to go broad is crazy. They're not using dynamic ads, they're funnel hacking everything. It's all about everything else. We're going to TikTok now. All these other things. It's like the dynamic or, ads or you, another thing we're not discussed. Yeah. I mean, also for just I have, we just have great tips. results with dynamic ads. Yeah. I use clients and stuff. It's brilliant. Uh, let me let me show you something here. This is how to spend one million dollars on Facebook. You ready? Yeah. This. So what's what's that say? Uh, okay. This is one campaign. What's the top winners? This is your best ads. Yeah. This is dynamic creative test to either improve the efficiency or expand the options of this one. This is your second one. If you run this one campaign, lowest cost auto placement, CBO, and you focus on your creative and improving your LTV. You can easily get to $2,734 a day, which is a million dollars a year. Yeah. This yeah. right here, this sticky note, puts 20, 30% of ad agencies out of business if they don't embrace it. Yeah. Um, and and I, it was funny. I got into a thing with a guy on Twitter and he was like, yeah, well, you, you know, I, we understand you're scaling and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, I, I, you shouldn't be in the same place you were a year ago. You should be better off. And uh, his, his comment to me was like, well, show me your ad account. There's no way this is real. And so I, I drew this sticky note and I was like, this is what it looks like. And he said, well, that's not your ad account. A screenshot of a, a picture of a sticky note is show me a screenshot. And I was like, okay. So I took a screenshot of a $20,000 a day campaign and it was just this basically, but instead of being on a sticky note, it was like control ads test. And that was it. And I didn't hear anything from him for three days. Still haven't heard anything from him. I eventually deleted the screenshot because you know, it's privacy information. I didn't want to share it too much, but like, I don't know. Yeah, we, we could talk about a whole bunch of other things. There's, there's test and scale campaigns. I think that strategy is wildly wrong. Uh, you don't need multiple campaigns. I think people promote too many products. You can easily get to millions of dollars a year on one product. Why try to solve three problems when you can do one thing really well? Like there's a million things. I, I would love to talk with you more about this stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. Let's make, like it, said, make it regular. I love it. Set, I think. I mean, Dynamic Creative, I mean, we're going on. Dynamic Creative, we find works amazing for local stuff because mm -hmm. my sort of theory is, you know, if you've got a local area and you know, you, the client's only got a certain amount of money. We're not talking, you know, a lot of the time, we, I think on, on these sort of things and people I talk to and especially on YouTube and stuff, everyone's got massive budgets. Not everyone has got massive budgets. That's, mm -hmm. a, oh, that's a tiny percentage of the businesses out mm -hmm. there that every agency yeah. is trying to get all these massive ones because they got 10, 20% of their ad spend. When we're talking sure, about sure. all the people who are big enough, they might even be a small company that's owned by an owner and they have a marketing exec or a marketing manager there. They need an agency to help them with their work. They can only afford to pay you this as a retainer, blah, 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 blah. 
Sure. That's 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 how an agency has 500 clients and is able to be acquired by another agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, people absolutely. agencies buying these clients because they've got other services they can sell to these clients, like PPC. A PPC company would love to buy a Facebook marketing company that's got a yeah. thousand clients because they can suddenly do PPC for those thousand clients. They've just doubled their absolutely. Revenue. Yeah. So that's where that's where I think well I like to talk about on these things in the future. And I like to talk to my owners about because people haven't got massive bucks. You know, they they are coming with five thousand, three thousand dollars a month, five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen, twenty thousand. You can still make it work, but it's using how do you use it in dynamic creative? I find with the lowest spend because you're not having to create multiple ad sets using different copy and creative. You can put it into a dynamic and Facebook. Believe it or not, that amazing computer can go. These ones are working better. I'm going to show it that one. Yeah. I'd even argue, I do that for the people, I teach that to my students in the MBA program that have a $100 day budget. Mm. I also do it in ad accounts where I have a $20,000 day budget. Yeah. Because the end of the day, our job is to just improve the quality of choices Facebook makes on our behalf. Yeah. So why not validate elements, put together very simple dynamic creatives. I personally have a thing I call the 322, three creatives, two headlines, two primary text. Now every decision is binary. Was this thing good or bad? If it's bad, kill it. If it was good, but one thing got a lot of spend but didn't do well, get rid of that one thing. Extract a post ID, put it in the, in, the, in, the, in the winners, move on to the next one. Cycle that test every week, two weeks, three weeks. And if your test is doing well, you can just spend more money on that CBO. Who yeah. cares if it's going to a DCT, if it's not? And then you've got a month's worth of creative testing in line. Like, I have a sticky note here. I love sticky notes. This sticky note is the next 45 days of business. This is my entire business model plan for $20,000 a day to get to 30. It's on a sticky note. And I will legitimately spend three to five hours a week max on this ad account. And we'll probably go up 50% in the next 45 days. Um, Because I'm, I'm just not worried about all the other stuff. The other things that don't matter just don't matter. Um, and I think people have to be okay with the fact that like, you don't just cause you're sitting at a desk doesn't mean you have to work eight hours a day. Yeah, yeah. And if you get really good, you could do five times as many clients. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I had to do this because at some point I was managing five or six clients on three or four different platforms. I had at max 12 minutes a day per any project. Yeah. I, I can't sit there for 45 minutes and like try to do work. It's, it's impossible. You have to plan weeks in advance. Yeah. But yeah. I think we've said it five times. Maybe this time we'll stick to it. Well, let's just do this again. There's a million things. I really appreciate it, man. It's super fun to chat with people that, that legitimately enjoy this. And I can see just like this emanates, like our conversation has just been, I mean, yeah. clearly well, I've had a lot well, of that's, you know, we're, It we're feels like you have too. Yeah, we're a Facebook agency. We dabble in it. We know we do stuff on the other platforms, but essentially we're a Facebook agency. And it's like, do I bring on people guests onto the program that my listeners are going to go, oh, I'm going to listen to him and he might, he, I might lose that a listener. It's not about that. It's about giving value to my audience or anyone else who wants to listen to it. I hear yes. things from you. I hear things from Eric. I hear things from all these different professionals in our marketplace because we've all got different things to do things. And it allows my audience to go, I'm going to try that because that's how I think it would work with my pro- business. And it's great just to talk this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love it. We all learn. And from it. yeah, learning from people is, is what it's all about. It's, 
the end of the day, you should you should be fairly confident in your decisions. But if somebody comes and solves it with a better mousetrap, you have the choice of learning from them or you know falling behind. Exactly. Every day I get to talk to people and I get to solve their problems and I get to see other issues. So my sword is sharp on a consistent basis. But every time I get to talk to somebody like you, you're asking me different questions or we're talking about something or you're dropping knowledge on me, that improves the quality of conversation I get to have with everybody else. So, I mean, I'm probably a better marketer for the last 90 minutes that we spent. And that's going to be a gift that I carry with me to my students, to my clients, to my businesses. Like, how is that money and time not well spent? Like, yeah. I mean, there's no money. I didn't pay anything for this. You didn't, you know, whatever. Money was probably the wrong thing. But like, time spent resources. I have that with reading. You know, I can read an entire book or listen to an audio thing. All I'm looking for is one little piece oh, yeah. of information that I can go, I'll try, like you've said stuff today. It's like, I'm going to try going broader with a couple of clients. That might work. It might not work. Some yeah. of the time, you know, all our clients are different. Some, some things work for one client, some things work for, but using all this knowledge to try and better yourself, better your clients, better your knowledge on, on, on our area. That's, that's what it's down to because we've got to keep on moving forward. Yeah. And we've got to be up with all these changes that, that are happening. You know, we don't, we've done some real ads for a, a client in Utah and it was just like, hey, let's try, let's try some real ads of you in store. They sell trainers and it's like, blah, blah. And then we went on there and it's just like, they've had loads of sales from a, Love it. a reel. And the reel wasn't even processed. They had one reel, which is talking about the trainers. The other one was like, hey, I'm going out for a run. It was like a motivational video. The motivational video sold the trainers. Sure. I, I love that. I, I remember I worked at a nine figure business. I was their director of growth. We spent 50 grand on advertising, on creating assets. The receptionist shot a thing on her phone. The thing the receptionist shot, two years later, is still running. That one post ID probably has five, $10 million in ad spend. Yeah. I, I, I did a deal with the, the Kardashian family for creative, $100,000 deal, lost 50 cents on the dollar. The uh, cleaning lady chatting with the creative leader. Somebody happened to shoot a little thing. She was like, oh, I love this thing, blah, blah, blah. Great woman, had been with the company for years and years. Uh, that conversation was a 45 second video ad, destroyed Kris Jenner in her bathroom saying, I take this and I lose weight. Destroyed it. It's crazy. Wow. It's so annoying because everybody wants that yeah. Harmon Brothers, like squatty potty, you know, rainbow poop ad. And the honest truth is, those guys do a ton of work. You yeah. know, three of their ads. Doesn't mean they're bad. They're exceptionally good. But that's not the reason why that business is successful. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Anyway, this is Let's lovely. Let's, let's, let's check it. in again a couple of weeks. I think we do this. I think it's Please. regular once a month. And we just, we just bring up two topics. We just talk about it for an hour, trying to help give value to the audience. And then I would do, you love to, it. do you want to plug your, do you want to plug your Instagram? Sure. Guys, you've got to check him out on In Reels. It's brilliant. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Instagram, it's at CT the Disruptor. Um, that's also my handle on TikTok. That's also my handle on Pinterest. That's also my handle on, on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube. It's the Facebook Disruptor. I don't know why that one's different. I got to correct that. Um, yeah. And more importantly, uh, if you like what I have to say and you want to do more stuff, I do webinars once a month. They're free. 
hour-long stuff. It's apply.facebookdisruptor.com to grab a seat. I'm doing one, you know, like I said, every couple of weeks. And all I'm trying to do is, at the end of the day, I just want people to be more successful. Like you said, whether they come to me or not, if we can provide an opportunity for somebody to have more confidence to make a meaningful change in their life, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I put my head down on the pillow in a pretty good place most nights. Last night at my ears ringing, it was yeah, tough. Man, but like, I, you know, I get, I get, I get that, I get that thing, right? That that juice for me isn't the hundred thousand dollar, million dollar day on Shopify anymore. I've done that, been there, fun, great. Now it's the oh, I had the light bulb go off. This now works for me. The people saying that like. You know, I went from trying to maybe start a second thing to I literally can't get clients to say no, right? Like that life-changing thing. Like that's just what it's all about. I, exactly. It's a beautiful thing. Perfect. Okay, mate. Well, listen, have a good day. Um, I will. I'm going to go to the gym now. and uh, Love it. Let's, uh, let's catch up in a month and talk sounds about great. dynamic ads and some of the... Huh? I said, sounds great. Yeah, and then we'll talk about dynamic ads and some other cool stuff that's going on. Oh, man, I'm excited. Yeah, I, let's make it happen. I, I again, super appreciative. Thank you so much. Yeah, and no uh, love those Porsches. I know, man. Just, well, we'll carry on doing it. this, and then we'll get some. All right, I love All it. All right, man. You take I'll care. I'll see you Have later. See you in a bit. You too. Bye. Bye.